0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I wanna thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Title of my message tonight is Two Types of Concern. Two Types of Concern. And I've ministered this Um, In in a way, in the past, but um, I've done it more from a a preachy type message. Tonight, I want to teach a little bit, Um, but I ministered this before. It was actually this year. I believe it was. I didn't look at the date, but it feels like it was this year. With Mary and Martha, talking about the difference between caring for something and worrying about something. And although on the surface, they they might look the same. They might look like um, they have a lot of the same traits. That's why I called it two types of concern. Because really, caring for something, what you care about and what you worry about, um, both come out of a concern. And, and, and I feel, you know, that word is very relatable today. I mean, if you aren't concerned about what's happening, you've checked out. <laughs> you, you, you've checked out. You, you've just, you know, can't handle anymore or whatever it is. But But there is a concern in the world today. And not just politically, not just in government, not just with health. Um, You know, the Bible tells us we're in the last days. It gives us the identifiable markers, wars and rumors of wars, family members turning against family members, uh, hatred and sin, increasing, abounding, becoming lovers of self. I mean, I could just go on down the list and we'd check off every box all the way on down of what the end times. False teachers, heaping up teachers, uh, uh, you know, false doctrine, immorality. Uh, you know, you just go on down the list. We 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 look, God has informed us and given us enough preparation and warning for the times we're living in that, that as Christians and believers, there ought to be a different response response from us. I said there ought to be a different response from us. Monday night after my son's baseball game, I'm going home. It's about 9:15 and every gas station I go by is packed out to the road. And I had no idea what was going on. I was like, they giving away gas or something? What's... Dude, need to get in line. And so I'm like, what in the world? So I get home, and I tell my wife about it, and, and she looked it up real quick, something about a pipeline or something. And, and you know, I, you know. Last year it was toilet paper. This year it's gas. My sister-in-law posted, maybe we should post it. There's a shortage of some other stuff, and maybe people go running for that. There's a shortage of brains. So go run and get, get you one. Shortage of common sense. Come on. Shortage of holiness. Maybe we'll run to the altar. That's all we need. Just Just post, there's a shortage. We're running low. Come get it while you got it. Come on. I thank God I serve a God that never knows shortage, never knows deficiency, never knows, uh, you know, malfunction or you can't hack heaven. Amen. You you can't do it. It's impossible. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself you serve a good God. Sometimes you got to remind yourself you might be in it, but you're not of it you got to remind yourself your source is different because if we're not careful, we'll respond like everybody else. You know, you, you'll, you'll begin to jump at every little thing that, that gets posted and, and spoken about and tweeted. and I mean, you can't live that way. We're not designed to live that way. But there is a measure of concern that we ought to have as well and and if we're not careful we'll go from one side where we're overly concerned and and and, and you know wonder what life holds and how horrible everything is getting and then we'll find ourselves on the complete opposite end where like i was saying you just check out and you're just so devoid of any feeling and devoid of uh, of when 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 we talk about concern there is a healthy concern and there is an unhealthy concern There's a healthy concern and there's a a unhealthy way to approach and respond to what's happening in the world. And there's an unhealthy way to respond to what's happening. And as believers, we ought to be the ones setting the bar, setting the standard, laying the foundation for how we ought to respond to what's happening. When we talk about worry, we've said this before, worry means to be distracted. That's literally what the word means. If you look it up, the word worry means to be divided into two parts. When we talk about worry, we talk about an instability in thinking. We're talking about an instability in what may happen, what could take place. We're talking about a, a lack of stability uh, in, in our mind, and we're distracted and we become unfocused. Unfocused. That's what worry literally means. Another word for worry that we see in the word of God is anxiety or anxious. It's literally what that means. You know, there's a lot of talk today about mental health and talk about anxiousness and anxiety and, and depression and those kind of things. And I understand those are real issues, but the word addresses it. The word addresses it. And here in Philippians chapter 4, You might be thinking, I'm going to verse 6 because we talk about that a lot, right? Be anxious for nothing, right? But I want to actually jump past all that and get you to verse 10. And Paul is actually outlining these two types of concern. In verse 10, he says, but I rejoiced. Everyone say rejoiced. Quick reminder, you've heard me say it a thousand times. This book's written from a jail cell. It's typically not the word you hear. From someone in prison. I mean, I ain't rejoicing if I'm headed to prison, much less in it. He's there, living it. And this ain't fun. This is a Roman prison. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds. But he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me, everyone say care, your care for me has flourished again. And though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity means you, you cared about me, but you just didn't know in what way can we demonstrate that? In what way can we care for you? What can we do for you, Pastor Paul? What can we do for you, Apostle Paul? How can we assist you? What can we uh, do and come alongside and care for you? How can we make that tangible? He says in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, For I have learned, everyone say learned. I have learned in whatever state I am, here it is, to be content. Whatever state I'm in, he's not in a good state right now. He's in a poor state of affairs. He's in a poor state of life. He's not living life to the fullest. He's not thriving. He's not doing the things that he wants to do. His life is on the line. The next day could be the day his head comes off. He doesn't know. And he he goes on down the line of all the things that have happened to him over his ministry, all the challenges that he's faced. But right now he is in the bottom of a dungeon writing to the Philippian church saying, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Meaning you have to learn this. You're, You're not just going to be content with what happens in your life. Discontent means, or this tells us that discontent is the natural progression or digression of life to become discontent. I've, I've met discontent people that have everything. What else could we do for you? I don't know how many times I've told my son that. What, you, what else could I do to make your life any better? You know, because they just, they they get in their whiny and their complain mode and, and, you know, it's like, you know, what else could I buy you? What else could I give you? What else could I provide for you, right? You know, I I say it jokingly, but sometimes I'm looking for a real answer. Do You got something on the list that we haven't hit yet? No, content, being content is learned. It's put on. It's developed. It's intentional. You're you're deciding to be content. We think that that being content comes from what happens to us from the outside, externally. But what he's saying is content, being content in life, comes from the inside. It's a state of being on the inside regardless of what's going on externally. I wonder if we went into the world and preached that, how that would go over. You know, you can be content with the president you have right now. You can be content with the economic situation taking place. You can be content with all the issues and challenges. You can be content. But that is the very thing that Paul was saying. I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. You know, last week we talked about passion. And as believers, we don't get a pass on passion. Every believer has, a, has an obligation, a responsibility to do what they do passionately. Your marriage, passionately. Your work, passionately. Raising kids, passionately. Being a student, passionately. Running that business, passionately. And not just when the things are good. We learned that last week. That Sometimes trial and, and challenge are the times where we need the greatest urgency where we need the, the greatest passion in our lives. So he says, I have learned. I've put this on. I'm intentional with this. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned. That's the second time he's made that statement. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this in verse 13. I can do. Everyone say, I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. He says, I can do. So this is what we're recognizing is that this concern That we should never live life apathetically. We should never live life passively. We should never live life as if we are removed from what's around us. I've heard people use the the verse that I just gave you, in the world but not of it, as a pass on doing anything about what's happening around them. I've seen a lot of believers do that. Oh, I'm I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. So I, I don't have to get my hands dirty with that. I don't have to get involved with, with all that hatred and all that malice and, and all these issues. And all. No, 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 no. Paul is not saying that you live life disconnected from what's happening as if I'm just riding through this life until one day I get to heaven. No, life, Paul lived life with a missional approach, a missional thought process that said, how can I impact what's around me? In essence, he was always asking the question, what can I do about this? And I believe that we should live there. I believe that we should live there. We should have a concern about our lives that says, what can I do about that? And I know as the times get darker and the the, the things get stranger, that you feel more and more helpless. You feel more and more like, what can I do? But there's always something we can do. There's always something we can do. Look at these verses in the Amplified. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That now at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. So you were concerned, but I wasn't in need or in the place where you could really do anything about it. But now I'm in a place of great need. And he goes further on down. If you read past, you know, verse 15, 16, he talks about the financial assistance that they sent. He talked about how uh, they're sending him gifts. Epaphroditus uh, was was the messenger sending gifts on to Paul and how they greatly, he was greatly pleased with those gifts. They were meeting needs. This was a church that saw a need, met a need. That's what we say at Anchor Faith Church. We see a need, we meet a need. It's one thing I love about this church. This church is so ready to see a need, me, if it's finance, if it's help, if it's effort, if it's resource, we cannot be people that sit back and say, ah, somebody else will get it. That's not a disciple of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I don't have that gift. I don't have that ability. I don't have that skill. No, it's in your heart. And he's saying it was in your heart to meet a need. It was in your heart to have concern for me. It was in your heart to do something to assist me. And at the time, you couldn't. There was no way tangibly to meet that, but now you have out of your great concern. You were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content, self-sufficient through Christ Christ, Satisfied to the point where I am, here it is, not disturbed or uneasy. Not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. He says in verse 12, I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in, prosperity. in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. And I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He says, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Isn't that awesome? Nevertheless, it was right of you to share with me in my difficulties. The two ways that we can address concern, number one is to care for it. I've already given you these, but we'll lay them out. It's to care for it. The other way that we can address concern is to worry about it. So it's a good way to respond to situations, a good good check, a heart check on the inside. Am I caring about am I caring for this or am I worried about this? Am I caring for this or am I worried about this? And I give you the definition simply the word care, the word care means this the provision of what is necessary. The provision of what is necessary. That's in essence what the word care means. I'm providing what's necessary. I'm providing the necessities. It goes on to say, you're going to want to write it down, but I'm just going to read it fast to move on. It's the provision of what is necessary for health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something. You're caring for its health, you're caring for its welfare, you're caring for its maintenance, and you're caring for the protection of someone or something. When we talk about care, we're talking about serious consideration given to something. We're talking about serious attention. You can't care for something and neglect it. Come on. You can't care for something and ignore it. You can't care for something and abandon it. I just gave you a bunch of, bunch of antonyms to the word care. Opposites. It's impossible to say I care, but I don't give it time. I don't give it attention. I don't give it my focus. I neglect it. I abandon it. I let it go. I ignore it. It goes unwanted. It goes undone. No, there's no care involved there. You don't care for your children and lack of feeding them, lack of clothing them, right? Right? I mean, in in, in essence, the word care means attention. That's what we're saying. We're giving attention to it. So the things that are happening in our world, we cannot get to a place where we neglect it, we abandon it, we overlook it, we ignore it, and then want to turn around and say, well, we care about it. No, it won't work that way. The answer that Jesus gives us, we'll look at it in in, in a moment in Matthew chapter 6, but when he says, do not worry, a lot of people have taken this passive approach that I just remove myself from the equation. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, the the statement God is in control, I mean, it just crawls up my skin now when I hear people say, and I know people are saying it and they don't really understand what they're saying. I know that it's just a little catch, but it's not even in the Bible, man. There's no you can't point me to the verse. You can't point me to the to that that those words, God is in control. It's not there. And we use that so often as a step back from responsibility and from doing anything about a situation, whether it's your own personal situation or whether it's something going on externally in the world that we ought to be impacting and ought to be making change for. So when we talk about care, we're talking about the provision of what is necessary, taking care of something, its health, its welfare, its maintenance, its protection, giving serious attention or consideration. The word worry, on the other hand, the word worry means this, to give way to anxiety or unease to give way to anxiety or unease. So even though care and worry might have some of the same characteristics, the same interests, the same concern on the outside, when you really dig down, you find that they're very distinguishable. They're very identifiable. They're very different in the way that they operate. Now, care and worry are our approach to any situation, okay? It's our approach to it. This is how I'm going to approach it. I'm going to care for it or I'm going to worry about it. That's just my approach. And then that means it leads to a response. If I care for it, I'll see one thing. If I worry about it, I'll see another thing, okay? A lot of times we talk about worry as a result of something. No, I want to tell you today, worry is not the result of something. Worry brings the wrong results into your life. Worry is just your approach to it. And so if we can change the approach to the issue, if we can change the approach to the challenge, we'll get the different result. We'll get the better result. We'll get the right result. If you're seeing the wrong results, it's probably because you've moved over from caring for something to worrying. About it. These are just a few things that I wrote down that I think will help us see some of the distinguishing factors. Caring is focused and intentional. Caring is focused and intentional. On the other hand, worry is distracted and chaotic. Worry is distracted and chaotic. When you see a person that is worried, they're, they're all over the place. There's no, again, no stability, no foundation, no, no, no base, no standard, right? And usually that thing snowballs, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Out of control. Worry will get out of control on you. Anxiety will get so large and so big that, that it will overwhelm you. It sure will. And that's a real deal. I'm not mocking that or making light of that. There are people that live in worry. But remember, that's just your approach to the situation. If worry was a result of something, then there was nothing there would be nothing you could do about it. If worry was a result of something, then there would be nothing you could do about it. But since it's not, worry is actually your approach. You can do everything about it. You have full control whether you worry or not. Come on, if, if Paul says, be anxious for nothing, that must mean I can do something about it. If Jesus can say, do not worry, then that means I must have some control over whether I worry or not. So worry is distracted, unfocused. Chaotic, all over the place, whereas caring is focused and intentional. If you go to a, a hospital, do you want a doctor to worry about your condition or care for your condition? I received excellent worry at that hospital while I was there. They were all over the place. They didn't know what to do. They were so distracted. No, you want, the, you want to say, I received excellent care, focused and intentional. They knew exactly what they were doing and how to address the situation. See the difference. The next one I have is caring is healthy. Caring is healthy, while worry is toxic. Worry is toxic. When you care for something, you make good decisions. Clear. You ever notice that some of the best decisions you make are when your mind has the most clarity and some of the worst decisions you make? Come on. When you care for something, you make good decisions. When you worry about something, you make poor decisions. You make poor decisions. Worried people never make good decisions. They usually make poor choices. Okay, a few more. Caring is solution-focused. Solution-focused. Let's solve this. Let's get the answer. Let's get to the bottom of this. Worry is problem-focused. People that worry, they don't have solutions. They highlight the problem. They tell you how big the problem is. They tell you how much the problem costs. They tell you how much the, the problem has taken from them. They tell you uh, uh, everything that the problem's going to compromise. There's no answers, no solution, there's no plan. So caring gets you solution-focused. We're going to solve this. How are we going to address this? How are we going to meet this thing head on? Okay, so again, caring is not ignoring or denying that there's a problem. It's solving the problem. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, when you move over, when you, when you live a life appropriately in the caring column, people will look at you and be like, you don't care. Remember what those disciples told Jesus in that boat? Lord, do you care that we about to sinketh? In the King James Version. We're going down, don't you care? Mary and Martha to Jesus when he showed up four days late to Lazarus' healing service. Ended up coming to his funeral service. Lord, if you'd only been here. Our brother would have lived. Right? So when we care for something, we are solution focused. Caring assembles or builds. When you care for something, you assemble, you build, you lay a foundation. When you worry about something, you Tear it down, destroy it, dismantle it. Caring assembles and worry tears down. Caring takes responsibility. Caring takes responsibility while worry passes blame. Caring takes responsibility while worry passes blame. Couple more. Caring produces much fruit. Caring produces much fruit. And worry produces no fruit. No fruit. The last one I have here caring gives life. Caring gives life while worry receives death. Worry receives death. Although these two might look the same on the outside where there's a level of concern and there's a measure of interest, at the the end of the day, they are two very different approaches to challenges and issues. And Paul is saying, I learned. I learned to care rather than worry is what he's saying. To be content, that means I learned to address the situations and the challenges and the problems in my life from a care position, not from a worry position. Now, when we back up in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he actually gives us the answer before the question. We we got the question in 10. This is in verse 10 through 14. He's identifying the life, the two types of lives. I've, I've, I've lived with a lot. I've lived with very little. I've lived with a full belly. I've lived hungry. I, I've lived where people have loved me and cared for me, and I've lived where people hated me and abandoned me. I've done it all. I've been on both sides. I've been at both opposite ends of the spectrum. But he actually gives us the solution in verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known To God. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, look at these words, will guard, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on, dwell on these things. And then he says in verse 9, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Look at those things again. The things which you learned, received, heard, and saw in me. These So, again, this is not a passive approach to life. This is not a God is in control, so I'm not going to worry about it approach. Y'all with me? My approach, the opposite of worry is not passiveness, apathy, disregard, ignoring. Y'all hear me? Neglecting. Oh, I'm not going to worry. I just don't talk to those people. Oh, so you're not impacting them at all. You've completely removed yourself from the equation. Uh, That's what what I hear people say. I'm not going to worry about it. So I, I just don't even go there anymore. But they need you there. They need you there because you're the life giver. You're the solution giver. You're the answer to the problem they have. You have the answer. You carry the impact that can turn their world upside down. But when we want to remove ourselves and disregard and neglect and abandon, we have taken the wrong approach, the wrong course of action. No, he says these do. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Why do I need the God of peace if I've removed myself from the equation? Why would I need the God of peace if I'm ignoring it altogether? No, he's saying the peace of God and the God of peace will be with you, will guard you, will keep you in the midst of the problem if you'll have the right approach. If you'll go in there with a care attitude rather than a worry attitude. Go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll tie this in with what Jesus said about worry in Matthew chapter 6. We got to make sure we have the right approach in these last days. That's what I'm setting you up for. We hear about and we see the things that took place like this past weekend, talking about revival, talking about what God wants to do in our community. It's not going to be through people that have passively dismissed their community and their uh, 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 situations and the problems that are around them. No, it's going to be through a people that passionately care for the world God has placed them in. If you have a if you have a disregard for humanity and a disregard for the struggles and the challenges in the world and you want to call it lack of you know not worrying and not focusing on then then you've missed the boat. You have missed the the very purpose that God has placed you in the earth and and you know I heard one minister say one time that you know if it was all about going to heaven then we ought to just died when we got saved. Just go ahead and dismiss yourself then. Be dismissed. I mean, why are we hanging out here just waiting on it? I mean, go ahead. No, we got got to be interested. We got to be focused. We got to be caring about what is going on around us. Paul saw the bigger picture. And in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he's talking about priority. He's talking about priorities. And when we get our priorities out of alignment, then guess what happens? Worry starts to show up. Because you start trying to care for the things you weren't designed to care for. You start trying to take care of the stuff you weren't supposed to be taking care of. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, The laborers are few, the harvest is plentiful, right? Pray, that the, pray to the Lord of Harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. So that he's showing us there's a focus. There's, this is what it should be uh, 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 consuming our lives and consuming our thoughts and consuming our attention. This is what we should be focused on is what he's saying. But now he's talking to individuals that have gotten focused on, well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What's all that? That's the welfare the health, the maintenance, all the things that we just addressed before. See, if you're going to care for the right things, you're going to have to start stop caring about the wrong things. If we're ever going to care for the right things, we're going to have to stop giving attention and focus to the things that God is, is, is the master of and that God is going to take care of. Okay? I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what your uh, what, nor about your body, what you will put on. Verse twenty six. Look at the birds of the air; for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? What's he mean? What is worrying producing in your life? What? of benefit is worry producing. What is being added to you? What is, how is your life better today because you spent the day worrying about it? Nobody has ever said, I feel so much better now that I gave that some worry. I'll worry about it until I feel good about it. That's never happened. You feel worse about it. Isn't that funny the way worry works? Isn't that interesting? You you can never satisfy worry. It's never satisfied. Worry will eat at you. It will chew on you. It will say, I need more. I need more. I need more. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. It'll consume you, overwhelm you. So that's all you can think and still say, got any more? I need some more. Think on it a little bit more. It's never satisfied. You'll never meet the endlessness of worry. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies. Verse 29, And I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more Clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. But he says, Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's first? Priority. He's saying, what's priority? What's the most important? What's of value? That's what we should be giving our attention to. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The things that you're chasing after, the things that you're searching for, the things that you're trying to make happen, the things that you're worried about. He says, it will be added unto you. You know what the word added means? It means with no effort. Anybody needs something added to you that you've been putting forth a lot of effort? Look, your paycheck is not added to you. You work for that paycheck. We're talking about things that will come running you down if you'll stop trying to chase it down. Are you with me? Things that were looking for you, but because you're so busy looking for it, it can't find you. Are y'all with me? Jesus is saying these things will be added. Provision for the vision is what he's saying. When? When I make his kingdom the first priority. When I seek first. Here's what I have found to be true, especially in this day and age. Whatever I focus on is what I tend to respond to. Whatever I focus on is what I tend to respond to. You know who was packing out those uh, gas stations uh, the other night? People that focused on deficiency, people that focused on lack, people that focused on what's going to happen when I run out, people that are focused, 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 giving attention to, giving attention to, thinking on, dwelling on, and watching and seeing and entertaining and entangling themselves. In 2 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he said, Good soldiers. They do not entangle themselves with the way of civilian life. Meaning there are some things that are just below you. There are some things that just don't need your attention. There are some things that you just don't need to focus on, dwell on, think on, give attention to. What I focus on is what I tend to respond to. And so I can look at my responses, and it, it's a telltale. It, it, it is an indicator of where I've been planting my focus. And it might not be a, a physical, external response. It might just be a response in my heart. It might be a response. I need to do a heart check on the inside. It's, again, just asking the question, am I caring for this or am I worried about this? And you take yourself on down the checklist I just gave you. Is it producing life or is it producing death? Is this healthy or toxic? He says, seek first, give attention to, chase after, give priority. First place to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. goes on to say in verse 34, "Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know in, 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 in the situations and the challenges and all that's happening, our approach determines our response. Our approach determines our response. And I think it's time for the church in the midst of all that's, that's going on. The church in the last days, the church that's going to make the difference is going to have a, an approach that is going to care for, not disregard, not abandon, not neglect, but give special focus and special attention from a solution-oriented approach rather than a problem-oriented approach. Come on, you you, you listen to them too. Listen to plenty of Christians and believers, and they sound sound just like the world. They complain about the same things. They they have the same responses. They have the same approaches. On every level. We've got to be a people. That we set the bar higher. We have a different standard. We have a different way of going about this. We have a different way of approaching this. We have a different way of, of, of approaching the challenges that are right around us. Not ignoring them, not denying them, not saying things like, oh, Jesus can't wait for you to come back. Jesus is coming back one day. God is in control. But no, caring. Caring for. You know, one of the greatest things about Jesus' ministry says it multiple times, he was moved with compassion. The healings, casting out demons, delivering, opening blind eyes, setting people free began with compassion. Began with compassion. That was his approach. Caring for. When he looked out, you know, that verse that I just read you where Jesus looks out at the people and he says the field's white with harvest. He says these people, they're like sheep lost, scattered without a shepherd. That was right after he had a whole healing service. It says he healed them. He cast out demons, he set them free, and he still looks out over them and says, shh, just not there yet. Still so much more to do. So much more to do. And we're the people for the job, amen? We're the church for the job, amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes.